Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22, and Genesis chapter 3. Uh, this is Love Church Planners Weekend. This, this is the month of love, so we're going to give you a little garden variety love today. I'm going to talk to you about some things that happened in some gardens in the Bible, and we'll see where God takes us with that. Uh, I'm going to start off in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, everybody, if you're a Christian, you should have heard this story. Most folk that ain't Christian should have heard this story. They've been fighting it. If they're not a Christian, they've been fighting this story, telling you it ain't true for years and years and years. But what we want to do is we want to bless you. We want to give you, give you, we want to bless you from the scripture and help you get something from the scripture today. Not from Anthony Rudolph, not from uh, anything else. I hope my family was a blessing to you, but we want them to be blessing you because they're allowing Jesus Christ to use them. Now, the Bible says, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, have God said, ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden. Now, I call this Satan's playbook. Satan's playbook. Uh, Satan's playbook is he always, the first thing he does, he always questions God's word. He always questions God's word. You know somebody, if they're working out of Satan's playbook, if they always question the Bible, if they always telling you, you don't have to listen to that Bible, does everything revolve around that Bible? It doesn't really say that in the Bible. Uh, does the Bible really say that? Is that really necessary? They're, they're, they're working out of Satan's playbook. And you need to brand them for that. You can't be their friends. Uh, the Bible says, love not the world. You can't love God and love the world. So if they're working out of Satan's playbook, there's no possible way they can love God. Now the Bible says, and the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. They're in the garden now. Garden variety love. There's a variety of loves out there. You need to find out what love is the right love. She says, and the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the trees of the, of, uh, eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Second thing they does in Satan's playbook is add to the word. They take away, and then they add. The second is they take away, and then the third thing is they add. People is always adding things to the word, or they're always taking away. You know, folk always tell you, judge not. It's a whole verse. It's a whole bunch of words missing when you say judge not. You know why? Because they all, wanted, they, all they wanted, they only interested in is the part about judging not. Now, they judging you every day. They judging you while they telling you to judge not. They just judge you, say judge not. They're telling you that you've been judging them. So and that don't make sense to me. But you're going to say judge not. The Bible not only says, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. For God, the, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing that, knowing good and evil. Satan's always trying to introduce you to some some newfangled thing, some newfangled religion, something new, some higher learning. Uh, people says uh, they won't get you saved. Well, how you get more wisdom over here? Yeah. Yeah, uh, you don't need the Bible. You read these books. Read some other books other than the Bible. There's some better wisdom. I submit to you that when she said to, uh, when she added to him, you should not touch it, let, uh, she, when she added that you should not touch the Bible, touch the, excuse me, the tree, Satan was able to come and lean up against the tree. Lena says, you should not surely die. If she had not done that, he'd not be able to do that, causing for deception in her life. 
Now there's a garden. There's a garden right there. And God is in this garden, but he's watching. A lot of times God's watching you and seeing what you're going to, show, what you're going to do. But she's having a conversation with Satan, and she ain't got no business having a conversation with Satan. Because God gave a commandment to the man. The Bible says in verse 5, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing the good and evil. Satan's always introducing you to some newfangled religion or, or worship or wisdom and telling you that you're going to be lifted up. You, you know, if you win the lottery, everybody's going to like you. Uh -huh. If you get this job, everybody's going to be your friend. If you get this position, everything in life is going to be better for you. If you get married your life is going to be so much better. That's not true. It's, that's not true. That's when it starts. That's when it starts. You know how they, they close the thing and says, happy ever after? No, that's not what happens. That's just when the work starts, when you get married. That's when it starts, when you get married. That's why you better make sure it's the one God gave you. So you can say, God, you gave, you gave them to him. You gave them to him. You're going to have to help me work this out. Because you can't, you can't fix it. You know, you got two idiots getting married. <laughs> my family does everything right, and my family does everything right. Ain't, ain't that what you think? If your kids got some bad traits, they got it from the dad, and the other person, you got it from the mom, right? Mm -hmm. Even though you know they look just like you and they're acting just like you, you would say, you got that from your dad. It can't be possible for you. When you left your family, you know you left your mom and dad's family, you, they, they, you know, they do everything wrong. You know when you was a teenager, you could, they couldn't do nothing right. You knew you had all the answers. When you turned 20, you was like, I still got 80% of the answers. When you turn 30, you still think you got 30% of the answers. So when you get married and all this stuff, you think your family was garbage. That's why you left them because they didn't know what they was talking about. And they left their family because they was garbage. They didn't know what they was talking about. When you get in this relationship, all you want is to talk about, my family do everything right. <laughs> Too many. It's going to be some problems. So you're going to have to work this stuff out. That's why God needs to be in it because your family is messed up, my family is jacked up, and your family is jacked up. <laughs> now, your family might be better at hiding it. Oh, let, let me put it like this. God's been hiding your family's garbage for a while. And you think it's because of you that nobody knows how bad your family is. But they're, they're right here in the garden. The Bible says, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband, which with her husband with her he did eat and the eyes of them, both, of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves in the from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden now this garden right here was perfect this garden right here was made by God this garden here was all, it always was watered. The Bible talks about how it was watered. It was watered perfectly when it talks about this garden. That's this garden. This is the garden God made for man in the beginning. This is the garden where the Bible says man sinned. This is the garden of the first Adam. Man sinned. 
And because of this garden, God had to make some coats of skin because of this garden. Picturing what the Lord Jesus Christ will come and do someday for us. Some blood is going to have to be shed. Now understand the God of the Bible. He requires righteous blood, pure blood, holy blood. You know, I say it all the time. In my neighborhood, we always say, oh, you got Kool-Aid in your blood. You soft or you sugary. We, can, you, we don't do that. Guess what? My blood ain't no better than that. My blood is filled with sin just like your blood is. And God requires a righteous and holy sacrifice. So God takes some innocent lambs or something and cuts, their, cuts them and sheds their blood to make coats of skin in this garden. Now, this garden started off perfect. Now, there's another garden in your Bible. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 21. There's another garden in your Bible. This is the perfect garden. Remember, this is the first garden. This is the perfect garden. And God put some people in there. And all they had to do was keep one commandment. Two people, one commandment. They couldn't keep it. You understand that? That's, that's, that's man for you. Now, 1 Kings chapter 21. 1 Kings chapter 21 and verse 1. And the Bible says, And it came to pass after these things that Nabal, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard. Is that a garden? That's not a garden. The Bible says he had a vineyard which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab, the king of Samaria. And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, give me thy vineyard. Be careful who you put in charge over you. Because they're always going to be taken, taken, taken. The children of Israel, when they didn't want God to be their king anymore, they say, we want a king like everybody else. We want to be just like everybody else. Remember when you go in the house? I remember when I went in the house and said, God, I, Mama, I want this because somebody else did it. And she says, oh, you're going to jump off a bridge because they did? Now, my mama smacked me before she finished saying the rest of it. <laughs> be careful of wanting something because somebody got it. Because it may not be yours and God may not be intended for you to have it. May not intend for it to be nowhere around you. He might, you know, God sometimes just, you know, he shows his love by telling you, no. That's why I said all the time, that's why a lot of us ain't got billions and millions of dollars. You know why? Because we have messed our lives up. We have made a new side of the money and hung ourselves. That's what we would have done. The Bible says, and he says, and he, Ahab said, spake unto Naboth, saying, give me thy vineyard that I may have it for a garden of herbs. Because it is near unto my house, and I will give thee, give thee for it a better vineyard than it. Or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. Now think about this. It's a vineyard. 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 He said, I want it for a garden. We have in the Bible, in the beginning of the Bible, God made a perfect garden. What man do? They messed it up. They got kicked out of it. Two people, one commandment, they kicked out. God has to show us his love by uh, making coats of skin by some of innocent blood, pure blood. Only problem with that is it's not eternal blood because God comes from eternity. You can't have no beginning and end if you're going to satisfy the God of the Bible. 
This is why you need an eternal God. You need some men come from heaven from, that was God, came from eternity, outside of eternity, into time to die in our place, to shed his perfect, righteous, pure, holy, and eternal blood for us. That's why Buddha ain't going to work for you. That's why Allah ain't going to work for you. They all had beginnings. That's why I don't care. Uh, the guy told me like, oh, you don't believe that they're superior beings and all. I said, it don't matter how superior you is. You ain't eternal. You ain't come out of, you didn't come from out of space, from eternity. So it ain't going to be good enough. Because the wages of sin is death and you're sinning against a holy, righteous, eternal God. So to appease the eternal God, you need an eternal sacrifice. So I don't care what statue you got or what thing you worship in, it's not enough. If God made it, if, if I mean, if man made it or if it, was, it had a beginning, it's not good enough. Now, this vineyard, he said, I want to make a, he want to take some vineyard and make it into a garden, maybe because it was by the palace and he could come out the palace. He just wanted to take something and make it into a garden. He wanted to make a man-made garden. And when he couldn't get what he wanted, he killed him. Oh, he went home crying to, his mom, crying to mama. And mama took hands, matters into her own hands and killed him and said, there go your vineyard. But he, nobody offered him. I got better vineyards than that one. I got better vineyards than that one. There's no love in me. No love involved in it. What I can tell you is, he, Ahab, you know what he thought? You must really love me to go kill somebody for me. That's what Ahab thought. This is the type of love that the world is selling to our children, to our community, and to all. They, they sell it, they sell it in, in uh, why they uh, running for president. They selling that type of love. That's the type of love they, they selling to folk. Folk eating, eat, folk hook, line, and sinker falling for it. That ain't a garden. It definitely ain't a garden that God made. Take your Bibles. Take your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. You have love in that garden in the beginning of the book. You have some perverted love in a vineyard that he wanted to make into a garden. And maybe he thought because he, maybe he had read the Bible a little bit. He says, man, I'm going to make my own garden to eat. Maybe he, maybe he had thought that. But the Bible in Luke chapter 22 and verse 39, the Bible says, and he came out and went as he was wont to, as he was wont to, to the Mount of Olives and his disciples also followed him. The Bible says that when he was at that place, he said unto them, pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them and about a stone's cast and he kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. You hear that? The Bible says, and being in agony. You know what Jesus Christ's example with being in agony? The Bible says he prayed more earnestly. You know why you're scared of this Bible? Because of stuff like that. 
Bible didn't say God said he wasn't going to be in agony. The Bible didn't say, oh, I'm going to take this agony away from you. The Bible says when Jesus was in agony, you know what he just did? It causes them to concentrate a little bit more. It causes them to barrel, barrel down and not tighten the notches a little bit more. The Bible says he prayed more earnestly. And the sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Tell me how many times you pray until you just sweat. Not drops of blood. Now, we ain't talking about that. Till you sweat. Uh, uh, you know, God, thank you for this food and thank you for the day. Amen. You know what I mean. You remember everything. I know what I You know. You know everything. The Bible says when he was in agony, he prayed more earnestly. He dropped drops of falling blood, falling down to the ground. And, and when he rose up from prayer and he was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow and said unto them, why, why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. In verse 39, the Bible says, he says, as he was wont, as he was wont, you see, we see here, as he was wont, we see he, he was same in his routine. Want means this is something that you do all the time. The chapter before says he kept going every day. The Bible and the chapter before, chapters before say he did it every night. He went into the mount to pray. Every night. He went into the mount to pray. As he was want, this, he was same in his routine. He was same in the place. You should be same in your routine for prayer. You know, he's going here to pray. He has some place that he's going to pray, some place where he wants to get along with God as the brother was preaching, singing, it says, in his presence. Have you ever been there? Have you been there? Have you ever felt the sweet touch and kiss of God when you've been praying? Have the time just stopped? Have it been like when you just sitting there, you're praying, and it's just the time to stop and just like the, the presence of God just, just fill the room. And you won't move because you're scared it's going to move. And you ain't going nowhere because you're going to try to make it. You're going to milk this for as long as it could be. Have you ever been there? Jesus has been there many times and he always keep going back to get back to that place. He was same in his routine. He was same in his place at the mountain. He was, he was same with the people. He always, his disciples was his followers. His disciples came to follow him. You know, when you got an example, if, you got, if you're a good leader or you got some example, some uh, uh, godly characteristic, people going to follow you in that godly characteristic. They, don't may, they may not understand what they're looking at. They might not understand what's going on, but they're going to say, you got something that I want, and I want something. I want some of it. I'm only in on it. In verse 9, 39, we see that Jesus Christ was same in his routine. You ought to be same in your routine. You should have some characteristics or some practices in place for your spiritual growth that you're not breaking them. It don't matter who talking about what. You know what the world want to tell you? You could do that later. The World Series is on. You could do that later. The NFL is on. It's doing that. Think about it. You know, you can, retort, you can record anything you want to. Watch it anytime you want to. You can binge watch anything you want to. Think about that. 
and the world suddenly like, you don't really got time to do that. Why you have to have a routine? Now they're gonna routinely put whatever they want on TV or whatever. Routinely they're gonna routinely get in the way of you growing in grace and knowledge and wisdom of Jesus Christ. They're gonna routinely do that. They're gonna be same in their same in their routine. And to stopping you from growing in grace and knowledge and wisdom of Jesus Christ and stopping you from uh, serving the Lord, you ought to be same in your routine and saying, too bad, it's not happening. Same in your routine. And verse 40, verse 40, verse 40, he's not just same in his routine. He's circumspect in his role. The Bible says that when he was at the place, he said unto them, pray that she enter not into temptation. Circumspect means to have foresight. He's thinking about these things. He's concerned about these things. He's concerned about the fact that he's the one in charge. He's the leader. He's circumspect in this role. I'm the leader. And I'm be concerned about your future. He says, pray that you enter not into temptation. This was Jesus Christ's moment of temptation. Now, I'm not saying it wasn't the only moment. We have Luke 4, we have Matthew 4, and we have Mark. I can't remember the verse, but he was, he was led by the Spirit into a desert place, into the wilderness, excuse me. He was led, he was drawn, and he was driven to be tempted of the devil. But that temptation is nothing compared to this temptation. He knew what his role was. He was the leader. He was the one that was leading all the world. He was the one that had chose to die for man's cause. He was circumspect in his role. He was circumspect in the foresight. He knew that, hey, I had to have foresight to see what was going on for you. You know, he's always concerned about your future. But there was fear there. There was fear. You know why? You know why parents are fearful that when you go out to drive your car for the first time, when you leave the home for the first time, and you go off to college and you're all by yourself for the first time because you might give in to temptation. Jesus Christ is circumspect in his role because of his foresight and his fear for your, for your future. But he also, in verse 41, the Bible says that he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed that he was, self, he was secret in the place of his reality. He had a secret place for his reality. Listen, if you're going to get along with God, you're going to have to have a secret place. You can't do this thing, I'm going to do it with my best friend or my best buddy. or what. It, it, it's not working. When you get judged before God, you're going to have to get judged alone. You're going to have to have a secret place to deal with your reality. You know, there's some things that you know about yourself you, ain't got, you don't want nobody to know, and you ain't got no business letting nobody know. This idea that you need to find a counselor and tell them every, all your innermost thoughts, they ain't going to do nothing but use it against you. And you ain't got no business telling nobody none of that. You need to tell it to Jesus and tell it to Jesus alone. Ain't none of your business. Well, what's going on? It, it ain't no, it, no, I don't trust you. I don't care if you is married. I ain't got none of your business. It ain't none of your business. Tell it to God. You, be honest with yourself. There's some things that if your, 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 your mate that loves you forever, knew about you, 
they would look like you side-eyed, like. Now, I know, I know we have people here that would never do anything like that. But you guys, we, every last one of us got some skeletons. That we ain't letting nobody find that thing out. What you doing over there? None of your business. Keep it between you and God. But you should have a secret place in your reality where you can get along with God. And he said, hey, God, listen, I need some help right now. Because I'm thinking, I'm about to get selfish with this thing. God will stop you from being selfish if you get along with him and just be honest like, hey, I got some selfish tendencies. Told you about how he had to command us to love one another. Because we're not so loving. We ain't got as much love in us as we think we do. Or like when you, I, people will say, I, I don't hate folk because hate is a strong word. Love is a strong word. Because anonyms and synonyms is the exact opposite. Love is just as strong as hate. So you shouldn't be using love so much if you don't use strong words. You don't like using hate because it's a strong word. I don't got no problem with it. If you hate God, I hate you. Deal with it. Put that on the news. They're going to have to cut and clip and snip everything because I'm going to tell them, I don't like you either. Come put the mic. I don't like you either. You Do you love God? Are you saved? Have you trusted him as your personal savior? They all strong words. Trusting the Lord as your personal savior. I don't care nothing about your news media, your program. I can care less about your ratings. That's what they're concerned about. He had a secret place in this reality. He had selflessness in his response. When he prayed, the Bible says he was a stone cast away and he kneeled down. He had to get away from the disciples to pray. The Bible says, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. His response to himself was selflessness. This thing ain't about me. It doesn't revolve around me. God, this is your creation. And you said, the Bible says Jesus Christ is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. You know what that means? Why God was putting this thing together? Oh, as he's putting the thing together, and you know, he's just snapping it together. But you know, time, though, he's not holding time. Time doesn't hold God. As he's putting this thing together, he says, oh, they're going to mess this thing up. As he's putting the world, before the foundation of the world, he, he knew his plan was going to go awry. He looked at Jesus. Jesus says, I, I'm going to go. I don't know how long that conversation takes, but he says, I'll go. I'll do it. I was like, I'll go. I'll fix it. And he had to get to this point. He's praying. He remember, hey, God, I, know, I remember I volunteered for this mission. I never knew it. You know, Jesus Christ had to learn obedience. He ain't never had to be obedient. He always was the Lord. He always was the word of God. Remember, in heaven, he was the word of God. When he put on flesh, he became Jesus Christ, the son of God. But he always was. He always was the law. You know how when you go into these little towns, they says, we, I'm the law. You know, some stupid police officer says, I am the law. No, the law is wrote on a piece of paper. It's the, the, 
is a white piece of paper and the print is black. You're not the law. Jesus Christ always has been the law. The only thing you're going to get judged by is this book. The Bible says, this is that garden variety love. This is that love that you need. This is that true love. Because this wasn't a perfect garden. This is the garden of Gethsemane. This is the garden that was there after man had spilled blood, sin, corruption, all into the earth. This ain't that perfect garden, the garden of Eden. That thing was perfect. It hadn't been corrupted. And so Adam and Eve did it, and they, God kicked them out of there. This garden, this, ain't a, this is a corrupted world. This is a corrupted garden. And the purest thing that ever touched this earth is there in that garden. And he's struggling with the fact that he's coming to do the God, the cup of God's wrath is about to be poured out on him. So if you ever say, you just deal with the consequences of your sins, no, it's not that easy. It's not that easy. Now, him who knew no sin became sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He died to just for the unjust. He had never done anything wrong. But he says, nevertheless, not my will, but thine will be done. He's self, selfless, selfless in his response, in his emotion. He's selfless in concerning eternity. He was always going back to eternity. He could have said, forget it. Hey, you hit. You know, Adam could have did that in the garden. Say, Eve, you messed yourself up, baby. <laughs> he could have been like, you messed yourself up, baby. I'm done with you. <laughs> you and the devil over there. God, get him. Hey, God, they didn't mess this thing up. Girl, you got to get him out of here because I'm not messing with him. He could have did that. But he did. Adam didn't. He said, he knew. He, he, it wasn't no question. God, Adam knew what he was supposed to do. You call it what you want to call it. He, was, he had some selflessness in him too. Jesus Christ was selfless in his emotion. He was selfless. Uh, he was selfless in his emotion. He was selfless in concerning eternity. Because he wanted to make sure that we all have a possibility to get there with him. He could have said, hey, y'all hit. Verse 43, the Bible says, and there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. He was strengthened in his resolve. He was strengthened in his resolve. You know, we can sing song, I am resolved to go to the Savior. Are you really resolved? Have you solved this thing? That you like, it don't matter what happens, I'm going to the Savior. Or do you get on your phone or your social media account and call everybody and talk to everybody and tell everybody what's going on before you go to God? He was resolved. He was strengthened in his resolve. The Bible says an angel. The Bible says an angel unto him. Appeared, an angel appeared unto him. I said it before. 
it's something about when somebody that's in the word of God with you that loves God just comes and shows up. Just showing up. And they ain't got to do a whole lot of work. Just, just, I said a spiritual shot in the arm. It'll just help. A spiritual shot in the arm helps every single time. The Bible says in, the angel appeared and strengthened him. An angel from heaven. Listen, Jesus Christ would know if it was a real angel or a bad angel, all right? The Bible says it was an angel from heaven. Reinforcements appeared. Reinforcements are always required. That's why we need to pray together. That's why we need to minister together. That's why we need to work together. Because everybody needs reinforcements. You can't do nothing by yourself. You can't do nothing by yourself but go to hell and go to heaven. And guess what? You can't get to heaven by yourself because somebody had to die for you. Technically, Adam died. He messed this thing up for you. But guess what? You done messed up way a million times since then. Only place you're going by yourself is hell because you'll be lonely there with your memory of everything you ever done, every warning you ever received. And the sad part about it is God made hell for the devil and his angels. If you're on your way to a devil's hell today, it's not because God don't love you, you know, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's not because God wants you to be there, the Bible says God made hell for the devil and his angels. It's because you chose to reject God's gift. The Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the gift of God. Not only was he strengthened and resolved with the, uh, uh, from he got, he, you know what he just got? He just got a glimpse from heaven, uh, just a touch, a breath from heaven, a breath of fresh air, breathe on him. And the Bible says, and he began, in, he, and he being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. He was suffering in his purpose. This purpose I have, listen, if you're going to serve the Lord, you're going to do anything for the Lord, there's going to be some suffering. They that live godly in Christ Jesus shall. It's future. And it's promises. Suffer persecution. You're going to have to suffer for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you say, well, I shouldn't have to suffer. Why not you? Jesus Christ already suffered for you. He's already suffered for you. Him who knew no sin became sin that he might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now look, that you might be made the righteousness of God. Ain't nothing you could do. You ain't got a, we ain't got a righteous bone in our body. If somebody said, okay, what's the thing you want the most in the world? Every last one of us Americans says, a million dollars. I'll say, be righteous for 10 minutes. We wouldn't make it 90 seconds. God says, I just seen that thought. Yeah, the, the Bible says the thought of foolishness is said. Whatsoever things are not true. The Bible says you need to think on things that are true. Are you always thinking on things that's true? Ahab wasn't. Ahab was thinking to take somebody's vineyard to turn it into a garden. That's a law. See how we think? See, we don't think it like that. Well, in the future, my plans was this. The, 
you ain't, you ain't got nothing to get this, formulate this plan or get this plan working. You think it's a lie. It's a figment of your imagination. The Bible says he was suffering in his purpose. I mean, I say he was suffering in his purpose, but he was supernatural in his position. The Bible says, and when he arose from, uh, from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow and said unto them, why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. He realized that I'm supernatural. I've come from heaven. Now, he has high expectations for us all the time. He says, why sleep ye? Why sleep ye? Pray that you enter not into temptation. But he still loved them because they were sleeping in sorrow. You know what that means? They probably were seeing him agonizing in prayer. And because they couldn't deal with it, because they didn't have that uh, relationship, they had not been enough fasting in prayer. They just couldn't see it. They couldn't see Jesus Christ in agony. No wonder if they couldn't pray with him and while he's in agony and they're sleeping because he's sorrow. No wonder when he gets killed on the cross, they're running. You know, just read your Bible a little bit. You might find, you might understand some things. See, everything that I said all the time, everything that preachers make for good preaching don't make good, uh, it's not practically good. It's not always practical. All good preaching needs to be practical. It needs to be practical. Some it gets people excited and get them out their seat and excited about things and, and they, they won't do nothing about it. Just a lot of excitement. But we want you to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. But he was supernatural in his position. Because he can go through this and he could pop up and say, okay, I'm ready for the, I'm ready for the rest of the battle. I'm ready for the fight. We would have been knocked out because we just like, we, just, we ain't even close to the disciples. We would have been asleep before he went up the mountain. We ain't went up the mountain with him. Oh, he's going up there to pray. I don't need to go up there. You know, it's too, uh, Brother Wise was talking about uh, going up the mountain. Uh, he was talking about going up the mountain, talking about you're going, you either breathe or talk. You got to make a decision, breathe or talk. Uh, we ain't going up that mountain. That's what we would have said. Uh, I'll meet y'all when y'all come back down, brother. I'm going to stay down here and I'm going to fellowship with them. We're going to have Bible study down here. You're going to be asleep. Sometimes doing the work of God requires suffering. But Jesus Christ is supernatural. He came from outer space and he has powers that we don't have. If you want to come close to those powers, you're going to have to let the word, the, the, the spirit of God work through you and allow God to work. But the Garden of Eden was a perfect place. It, was a, it had perfect fruit, it had perfect fear, perfect air but it was corrupted by man. This little garden that, uh, that uh, Ahab wanted was a vineyard. It was a, a figment of his imagination. God talks about his spirit will not always strive with our spirit because of wicked imaginations. The world has a whole bunch of wicked imaginations. They desire some things that ain't of God, that ain't around God, that God ain't even involved in, but they're going to put God's name on it. Christians do it too. He was thinking to make a garden, but it was a wrong garden. And the Garden of Eden had, whereas where perfection meets imperfection, the perfect God-man meets 
the imperfected world of imperfected fruit, imperfected everything that started off perfected, that was corrupt. The God man means the man God. Jesus Christ, God, meets himself as he's 100% God and 100% man, but he finds out about himself that, hey, there's some suffering involved in serving the Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. The supernatural meets the natural. Jesus Christ figures out that, hey, they're just, they're just man. They're just flesh. And they're sleeping and they're sorry. And at the end of that, he says to them, why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. You know, when you don't love, when you don't have love in you, it often leads to sorrow. And you know, we have a whole nation of folk trying to sleep their sorrow away. And it's in the Bible, it's biblical. The problem is it doesn't work. Because God says, why sleep ye? Pray that ye enter not into temptation. Enter not into temptation. Now there's love in Genesis chapter 3. There's love in 1 Kings chapter 2. The world's love. The world that the fake bill of goods everybody's selling you. But there's an eternal love in Luke chapter 22. What kind of love are you trying to love with? Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.